Coming up on the show today, we decided to cherry-pick a few topics from the latest unofficial guide to Walt Disney World. This is Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Traveling with the Mouse. This is episode 177, and it is Monday, January the 14th. My name is John Martin, and I am joined, as always, by Adam Brown. I am very happy to be here. I can tell that you are. <laughs> it almost sounds like that's copyrighted. I could have said, hey there, hi there, ho there. That's You're also copyrighted. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm sure it's copyrighted. Well, speak, speaking of stuff, I'm pretty sure maybe this book is copyrighted, so I hope we don't violate anything uh, copyright-wise unless I kind of doubt it. I mean, I purchased the book. I promised Lynn I did. Like you listen to this podcast, but I promise I, I, uh, <laughs> I purchased the book. Well, we, we're not sharing everything from it, so you can plug right. the book if you'd like to uh, right. have people buy it. Right, exactly. So, as you know, we we do... Uh, have mentioned several times that one of our favorite sources to to utilize and one of the best sources to utilize if you're going to Walt Disney World is touring plans. Mm-hmm. And um, I would suggest even getting a subscription to touring plans. I have more than one, actually. I have the, um, the Walt Disney World, the Universal, and the Cruise Line. Mm-hmm. And um, at least I think I still have all three of those. I know one of them, one of them was about to lapse. I hope I haven't let it lapse. Now that I think about it, you know. But I um, should have said too. At the end of last year, they offered like a discount for renewing it, and it's only like what twelve dollars a year or something like that. Yeah, it's not. I go expensive. ahead and usually buy the three-year option. Yeah, that's Mine. a good point too. They have different options. You can buy one year, I think, two or three years. Right. I think there's three yeah. options, but yeah. I just do it year by year, and they give me a discount for renewing this year, so I uh, took it. And of course, you get credit for getting the actual unofficial guide. I do have the 2019 version that I'm looking at. I downloaded it. I mean, you can get it on Kindle if you prefer. You know, if you if you go to the website and click on the the mm-hmm. link, it actually takes you to the Amazon website. That way, you can get it. In, you know, three different options i think it's a paperback hardcover or digital download which is what i chose to do and you can read it through the kindle e-reader or your actual kindle or the usual options but one of the topics that's in here is the death of spontaneity which i think is something that we've experienced for a number of years now oh, yeah. um they actually got a letter in the book from uh someone from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He actually was a criticism. You know, they're talking about criticisms of the book, and his comments were, your book reads like the operations plan for an amphibious landing. (laughs) Go here, do this, proceed to step 15. You must think that everyone is hyperactive. Type A, theme park commando. What happened to the satisfaction of self-discovery or the joy of spontaneity? Next, you'll be telling us when to empty our bladders. So mm-hmm. I think that's someone who doesn't really get the concept, and I get that. There's probably a lot of people who are like first-time readers, yeah. I guess, or first-time a lot of things. This is really a good walkthrough mm-hmm. for a number of topics, I think, personally. Well, that's that's so. an interesting thing to mention about the death of spontaneity because I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and I told him I was going to talk about this on the podcast, that... He recently went to a trip with his family, his three three kids, his wife, and they went to Orlando. They weren't specifically going to go to Disney, but you know they worked it out to where they could go for, I think it was a day where they, I guess they had a park hopper, and they ended up at Animal Kingdom and Epcot. He talked about how you know everything had changed since he had last been there, and it was probably ten or more years, I, I would guess, and how. The fast pass system screwed him over because they just went for the day. They didn't have any pre plans. They had no fast passes. They didn't have the app. They didn't know about the app. I don't think, and you know, dining reservations or anything like that. So they ended up waiting in line for what they thought was flight of passage, but ended up being Navi River Journey, 
because they didn't know. Oh. So they waited for like, <laughs> right. I think he said they were rated about two hours in line for what they thought was going to be flight of passage, but it ended up being Navigator Journey. And, but you know, they, they still had some good experiences, but it was mixed with a lot of frustration because they couldn't get a fast pass for anything. They went to a kiosk and nothing was available. They, it was very crowded and they just, didn't have as good of a time because they didn't plan ahead. It was a last minute thing. For a one-time visitor like that, it is definitely changed and it is not very easy for you to have an enjoyable time if you don't plan well in advance, or at least 30 days in advance, to get some at least some decent fast passes for your trip and yeah, well, you know, it just wasn't. I think he, I feel like he said the monorail broke down too while they were they were at Epcot. I guess they I don't know if they went to the, the ticket center and they got stuck on the monorail or something too. So it was just all kind of craziness. And uh, it's true. If you go for one day, it's going to be much harder to have a easy, spontaneous day. You're not going to get a whole lot in. I guess is my point. So well. I will say this, maybe this is a tribute to the leadership we have commented about recently. Yeah. But I have had more opportunities and times in which I was disappointed about something in the last five to six years than I think I ever had in the previous 20. You can take that for what you will. I mean, I, you know, as a kid, I don't ever remember it being so crowded on I mean I'm sure we waited in some decently long lines I don't remember waiting that long as a kid maybe you just kind of forget those things but nothing like what well, I've seen today anyway I know back then I never had the op- the possibility even of getting up to the what would you call it turnstiles I guess or I don't know what you call yeah. these things now um, <laughs> Magic band I never had an <laughs> I yeah know. I guess I never had an opportunity of getting up to that point and being, you know, redirected to guest services because my ticket didn't work. My paper ticket that they stamped right. didn't work. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I never had that issue way back in the day. Or my card that they put through the machines not working. I didn't have that happen back then. Those were more reliable. Um, I think the bands are obviously better now, but as someone who has been a victim of Going, getting up and having the tickets not work. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating when you have to spend close to, or if not, a half hour trying to fix something like that when yeah. you could be using it in the parks. Something yeah. I never had happened prior to this and was just seemed to be more reliable back in the day the way they did things. Now, I will say that since that time, I've not had an issue with the bands not working for tickets. So I can't really say that that's one that I've had a repeated issue with. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure it's a daily thing with someone. Yeah. Somewhere. And so. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but there's other issues now because of the increased security that since 9-11 you have to have bag checks that end up taking a lot of time sometimes. That well, and even that's gone further since then. Yeah. Yeah, even still. And for some people listening, it's like, well, I don't really want to listen to hear someone complain about this. Don't get me wrong. I still have a good time when I go, or I still wouldn't go. I still have plans to go yet again this year. Don't think of it so much as complaining in a bad way. Think of it as we're trying to um, express, and many of the others that do this, express what it is that's going wrong, and hopefully it will get addressed. We don't know yeah. if this is going to make a difference by us saying it by any means. I mean, you know, we're peons compared to Bob Jacob and Bob Iger. But if we don't address it at all, it's guaranteed that it's never going to have anything done with it. So it's not bad to at least bring these things up. Yeah. So, you know. I've heard time after time that individuals, the power we have is Twitter. Disney really does pay attention to that, and as we learned from that monorail story where the doors wouldn't open, the cast member of the Grand Floridian suggested to them that they post this on social media because that's what Disney will respond to. 
And I've yeah. recently heard several stories about posting a picture of, you know, a dirty bathroom or something that wasn't cleaned or whatever. And like, they posted it online, and Disney corrected that as quickly as possible because they, they scour social media. And when something right. comes up, they will respond to it. That's that's the only voice we have as individuals is social media. So as not to uh, spend too much time on one particular area, I'm going to yep. jump right in to something that, well, if that's really what works, then maybe we should all start I agree. tweeting this next one. Because right. the very first thing that was represented by most common complaints is costs going up and value decreasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is according to the unofficial guide, of course. Here is a comment from a woman from Columbia, South Carolina, as it says in here. It says, A Walt Disney World vacation is quickly becoming too expensive for the value given. Yes, the parks are a lot of fun and the hotels are very clean. It is magical in so many ways. However, the shockingly high costs for everything from souvenirs to popcorn are quickly making this a trip that just isn't worth the cost to me. Also, with all the added extra costs, like that ridiculous extra magic hours where you pay $117 per ticket for two hours of 25 rides, I'm really starting to resent the entire Walt Disney World business. So, three hours, yes. Yeah. Well, I get it. And it's after hours, not extra magic hours. But anyway, point well taken. I'm just reading the comment as it was (laughs) said. (laughs) I know, point well taken. But, I mean, when Disney adds extra stuff like that, it doesn't bother me because it's after normal hours. Yes, they're doing it to make more money, of course. But for the people who do it, most people really enjoy those events. And again, yes, it's very expensive. I certainly can't do that every time I go. I would love to. But well, she used that yeah. as the last example, but there were right. things mentioned before there. That's true. The price of the high cost of everything from souvenirs to popcorn, which they just <laughs> raised the price of recently. We talked about that, that significant yeah. increases in like churros, which aren't really that yeah. good to begin with, are like six dollars now. So, right, yeah, so those are ridiculous. You know, there is that. Um, there was another comment that was listed here. Um, it says that every time we visit, our experience is less magical than the last. You can tell that Disney is a large corporation because they are making corporate decisions that take much of the fun out of the vacation. That's not to say that we still didn't have a lot of fun. It's just not as special anymore. Yeah. And see, I, I think I would agree that's that. A, that, that is kind of common as an example of what we're seeing. And we're guilty of the same thing, obviously, because we continue to go. And, you know, we have a good time. It's not, it's not, well, no, it's not so bad, but it's not where it once was. True. You see what I'm saying? Like the monorail, for example. Definitely not where it once was. Yeah. And the neglect, and like you were here, you talked about people on social media talking about bathrooms not being as clean. I mean, as little as 10 years ago, the reputation that they had was that everything was spotless. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're just talking just 10 years. Yeah. Just 10 years, they've gone from having a reputation of being spotless to having dirty bathrooms, for example. Yeah, it's not like it just happened overnight, I guess. But still, the problem with that is it shouldn't have to be addressed on social media for something like that to have to be taken care of. That should be an automatic keeping a clean restroom. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. That is not something that had to be told. You know, back before social media, they had clean restrooms. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they didn't have to have someone tweet it to them that they had dirty restrooms. Right. And because uh, so, it did work once upon a time before social media, believe it or not. <laughs> and not not every Disney park has this issue. Disneyland Paris, for example, every bathroom that I remember going into had this little survey button. As you're walking out the door, you could green, yellow, red. How is the cleanliness of this bathroom? And if they get enough negative response, they're going to send a lot of more attention to it. But I never saw a single issue with any of the bathrooms there. But I noticed, you know, while Disney World does not have those, I think that would be a a good step in making sure that, you know, because Walt Disney World has way more visitors every year than Disneyland Paris, for example. But that's still not an excuse to not have something like this in place to keep check on 
the cleanliness of the bathrooms or other things. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to number yeah. two, the complexity of the planning process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a comment made that says, Disney World has become as complicated as doing your taxes. It is overwhelming. I feel like you almost have to get an expert to navigate all the extra magic hours, fast pass, yep. parks to choose on what day, restaurant reservations, and hotels. Prepare for at least a year of research and bookings if you're going. Now, for the person that's not well-versed in mm-hmm. the parks, because i got to be honest, just with the times I go, there's always going to be something I'm going to discover mm-hmm. that I didn't yeah. know. That's true. Even now. Yeah. Because of the, in the planning process and things. Yeah. I'm not trying to toot my own horn by any means, but I'm someone who likes and actually is capable of figuring out complicated things in the first place. Okay. However, when I also realize when something is complex, I also try to simplify it as best I can for those that are struggling with it. I'm not trying to say that they're of a lesser intelligence or anything. We all have. I've, I've, that's one of those things that just drives me crazy because there are different levels of intelligence. Mm-hmm. There's not just smart and stupid. There's different levels of intelligence because there's going to be something that someone can figure out and it comes to more naturally for them than it does for me. Right. I just happen to have a wide range of things that I just figure out. That's just part of who I am. Okay. Yeah. That's just the way my brain works. I like figuring things out. I like to be the one to figure things out. Does it happen all the time? No. I'd like to think I win more than I lose. That's about the only way I address it. But planning is one of those things that I've actually enjoyed doing. Yeah. And I think what they're talking about there about the complexity is also one of the things that's led to a boom, if we could say, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in the travel agent area, yeah. especially regarding Walt right. Disney World, specifically Walt Disney World travel agents. Yeah. So... And that's what I would recommend. If you are confused or overwhelmed by the complexity of Disney, get a travel agent. A lot, I think a lot of people think that you have to pay a travel agent and, uh, you know, a large amount of money to plan something like this. You don't pay a travel agent anything in most cases. They get commission from Disney for booking through them. So right. you don't have to pay a travel agent anything. In most cases, I'm sure some agencies will, you know, take advantage of that. But in most cases, you don't have to pay a travel agent. So there's no excuse not right. to use one because I think having, if I wasn't a planner, like I love the planning too. But if I wasn't that kind of person, but I wanted to go and I love Disney, I would without question want someone to just do all that for me. Just tell me where to go and I'll be there. Right. And I've considered actually doing this and I'm probably going to eventually do it at some point as a means of either additional income or something. I don't know which, but I'm probably going to when I have the opportunity to probably free up a little more time. I feel like I'm going to do this at some point. So, Another comment on this particular one. It says very disappointing. There is no such thing as a spontaneous trip to Disney anymore. Which mm-hmm. I actually agree with that sentiment. I used to like being able to do spontaneous trips. Because even the sponta- even the last minute trips, as you know from the ones you've done, mm-hmm. take a pretty significant amount of planning to get it done right. Yeah, so that's true. Um, but it says she finishes it with every day must be planned as to what park you will attend, on what day, and what rides you want, and when you want to ride them, and all planned around any dining you might have. I do agree with this to a degree, especially if you want to see the most popular things. There is a way to do spontaneous, but you're just going to have to learn to either wait a long time for some things or live without them um, if you're going to be spontaneous. So that part is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, you you can't really just show up one day and, and expect to do everything you could do, you know, 15 years ago. It's just not the way it is Even at the slowest time. Yeah. Try and keep this moving, though. The number three on this list, which is surprising and not because it made three is drinking. Uh, and I'll just give the little excerpt they have here. We've been getting complaints about intoxicated guests for quite a while now, but they've increased dramatically over the past several years. 90% of these complaints were about Epcot. Yeah. Where is where a drinking around the world showcase pub crawl is popular. Yep. I've seen that. One of the comments says it was a Saturday, so it was a little crowded, but my biggest problem was all the drinking in World Showcase. We were there early for a breakfast at Akershus. 
and we enjoyed that tremendously. But by the time we were done there, the drinking had already started. I had planned on doing the entire World Showcase for my daughter so she could do a report for school, but it was so crowded you couldn't push through. And if you did, then you were bumping into people with two and three drinks in their hands. Yeah, a lot of the younger crowd, younger adults, like to, yeah, especially that back part of World Showcase. (laughs) By the time it gets even evening, yeah, there's a lot of rowdy guests at Epcot. I've seen that pretty much every time I've been there in some form or another. So, And I, I got to be honest, I really don't know entirely what the answer is here because Epcot has pretty much allowed alcohol from the very beginning. Yeah. And it's just more recently that it's become a problem. So maybe they're going to have to take some steps. But, I mean, you got to understand for like 30 years, it's not been an issue. Yeah. <laughs> For the majority of that 30 years, I should say. It's not been a big issue. So, I again, I don't know what the... Make it a little less available. Maybe they're going to have to start cutting people off. It does say here that Disney has been experimenting with selling beer in smaller quantities. Yeah, they've definitely been doing um, that. <laughs> yeah. And because the price has remained the same as for the larger pours. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's oh, not only... That. I mean, you know, it's a win-win for Disney, really. Like, there's a little less alcohol out there. Yeah. And if they do buy more, it's going to cost them more. <laughs> right. So we're going to have broke drunks by the time the day is over with, pretty much. Well, I'm pretty sure the next Food and Wine Festival, they're going to be handing out the beer flights in thimbles for <laughs> the guests. Yeah. I I don't have a problem, per se, with people wanting to have an alcoholic beverage. But if you're just going there to get totally hammered in a Disney park, what is wrong with you, personally? I mean... I get trying little things here and there. And how do you afford it is what I want to know. Yeah, because there's way cheaper ways to get drunk. (laughs) I don't know how you... Maybe it's a generational thing and what's going on, I don't know. But I don't know how you make outlines or whatever to force people to drink responsibly over there. Because they're obviously never going to totally cut it out. It looks like they're only adding because it's profitable. So. Yeah, I will say this, though. You know, It doesn't bother me too much. I'm sure there are some cases where it gets worse than what I've seen personally. So I I don't love it. But at, say, Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom, where alcohol is also pretty regularly available, I don't see this issue. I think it's because Epcot has so many locations that are within steps of each other that it's become a problem. People just hop from country to country and start buying drinks at each country and that's a whole challenge of <laughs> drinks around the world uh, that has spawned this I think yeah okay so we'll move on to number four and this one's something that's kind of always been there to some degree but maybe it's been worse rude guests yeah it says inconsiderate stroller pilots along with aggressive scooter drivers lead the pack followed by line cutters and foreign tour, tour groups evidently not accustomed to waiting in lines Concerning the latter, Disney is doing a better job of reining them in. And a comment here is, it was very much more crowded than was predicted. So crowded, in fact, that we had decided not to return to Walt Disney World. Between the motorized scooters and the people pushing their way through the parks, I must bid farewell and goodbye to my beloved WDW. (laughs) Unless the parks are greatly expanded or a fifth park is added to accommodate the huge crowds, au revoir. Yeah. So that was how someone felt. I've been kind of on the other side of this before, too, because when my wife was pregnant, we actually did get a wheelchair and I pushed her around. Mm-hmm. But that was at my pace, and I was usually, I don't think I was in the way. I was probably passing people that were walking, in yeah. my case. Right. But I did have an instance when I'm on the other side of that when, like, say, Illuminations had just let out. And we were actually trying to get back to the back of the park because we were staying at Mm -hmm. Yacht Club. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of trapped with the crowd coming coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was like no, there was like no opening to get through. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to over to the side. And interestingly enough, there was a lady with a cart that was selling some of the, the glowing things for nighttime, like toys and such like that. 
after a couple of minutes, she, you know, we were there kind of talking with her a little bit. After a couple of minutes, she decided to kind of create a hole for us because she started moving her cart toward the back, hmm. and we just followed her. Nice. So, um, I mean, I wish I could remember her name actually now, but and that's that so was cool. That was four years ago now, almost just going on four years ago. But it's still neat when I think about it and mention it. You know, yeah. that that was a um, a good service that she did in a way, just yeah. to help us get to the back so we could get out and get to our room. <laughs> Right. So, uh, and that's I did appreciate that very yeah, much. That's that's something I wish I did more. I try to be conscious of it when it's happening, but when a cast member goes out of their way to do something for you or help you in some way or do, is just extra nice to you for whatever reason, I always try to remember their name. But I am right. horrible with names. But I always try to do that because if someone does something that's really uh, helpful to you you can tell you know management there's surveys that disney sends after your trip you can mention them by name and i don't know if it helps or not i hope it does gives them you know yeah. something recognition you know i i really need to do that more to the management too myself because i know i would appreciate it if people did it more in my line of work as well yeah. um whenever i you know feel like i'm doing the extra mile but mm-hmm. you know people in this day and age, especially, they tend to only remember the negative, and yep. they only want your name whenever it comes to yeah, <laughs> reporting. Bad, yeah. Uh, yeah, reporting something bad. Well, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, but, that's kind of how it goes. But I can imagine being on a scooter or in a wheelchair and being very frustrated because a lot of people don't give you space when you yeah. are. You can't help the fact that you're in a wheelchair. Well, some people can, but for the most part. Yeah. You know, or strollers for that matter. A lot of people so, yeah, like will I said, not this, give room. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I've been on both sides of the fence of this one because I have yeah. seen pretty rude people with strollers that don't care that they, like, just, like, knocked your ankle off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when, you know, when they run into you. I feel like at least, you know, I, I have to maneuver a stroller around as well now. So I feel like if I do something like that, which I don't think I have thus far, but if I did, I f- would like to think that I apologize, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, at least um, acknowledge that but, you. Yeah. I've also seen and been a victim of the other side of that when someone just does it and keeps going or doesn't say a word or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yep. So. Agreed. Number five on this list is the Disney bus transportation system. Mm. Four or five resorts received the lion's share of the reader complaints. Yeah. So, um. All stars. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me just go with the first complaint here. I think yeah. you're much too easy on Disney with regard to the bus service. Considering the money we spent on Animal Kingdom Lodge, park hopper passes, mm-hmm. and sit-down restaurants, mm-hmm. I think the least Disney could do is provide efficient, reliable transportation around its world, but the bus service was terrible. Disney can have the best service and the most interesting attractions in the world, but if it takes two hours to get to them on crowded, unreliable buses, it just isn't worth it. We greatly prefer Disneyland for this reason alone. They were saying Animal Kingdom Lodge in this case, which is a the deluxe f- resort, so they spent a decent amount of money. And it's the and furthest resort away from any other park other than Animal Kingdom. <laughs> except for Animal Kingdom, yeah. <laughs> but they are talking about bus service in general. Yeah. So, um, and that's at a deluxe resort. That's true. So that's not a good complaint. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's a legitimate one, I'm sure. But, but it's not a good a complaint for them to have. Another comment, Caribbean Beach transportation was as bad as you said it would be, and we will avoid the resort in the future. Despite building in a lot of time, transportation was so poor, and we actually missed our friend's finish at the half marathon. Two other times, we waited over an hour at a theme park to return to the hotel, despite calling the front desk. We were told that each resort has a transportation budget, Clearly, someone mm. is using the Caribbean Beach budget for something other than transportation. One mm. positive highlight was a bus driver named John, truly Disney at his best. So at least they shouted out to someone that actually made the experience less painful. But yeah. they have had some problems with buses in general. You used the buses the last time you went, right? Yeah. And I wanted to make sure I did the full experience staying at Art of Animation it was typically the last bus station. You know, that's the value resorts are all going to be the furthest away. 
but I never, I didn't really have a horrible, bad experience with the buses. There were several times where we were in such a long line that it took, I think the longest we waited was uh, the third bus before we got on one. And a lot of the time we were standing. So that's just part of it. But I never, I didn't think it was that horrible. I thought, from what I saw, the all-star resorts tended to be the longest lines, and it didn't seem... I mean, the buses came pretty quick. There was one time we left Hollywood Studios at closing, and we I think we got on the second bus. And, but the buses came more often than 20 minutes at part closing. The buses are going to run more often, and it took maybe 20, 25 minutes to get on a bus, but that wasn't that bad to me i didn't think it was that bad so well too i get the feeling a lot of these comments are coming from time periods when it was busier anyway Mm -hmm. probably probably so i don't know still busy or not if you're busy i mean you know you're going to be busy there should be like this limit you know what i mean where you don't want to go over like you want to be efficient as possible and you know i think two hours as one person mentioned if that was the case, that is lengthy and, and extensive to me. Yeah. I don't know that that was the case. They could have been exaggerating. But if it was in that range, right. which I'm not saying it couldn't be, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's definitely possible. Um, I talked about in my last trip report about going to the wrong park. That definitely increases the time that a bus is going to be <laughs> right. out. Makes a difference. They're headed the wrong way. So. Yep. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Weather also um, so, plays a factor if it's raining or things like that. Yeah. One more on this one. It says, transportation from the resort to the parks for rope drop is probably the most important part of picking a resort. We always stay on Disney property. We have stayed at all levels of Disney properties and have found that the value resorts consistently provide the best transportation. Hmm. The moderates, except for French Quarter, are the worst because they have too many internal stops to make before heading to the parks. I agree with that. In In my view, if the bus service can't get you to the park well before rope drop, it has been a failure. At the Magic Kingdom, that meant no runaway mine train or Space Mountain for us. Okay, people. So, get the names right of the attractions. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, I know. I won't harp on that, but I agree. I well, mean, I mean, some of this you can say with the based on the comments, the way they name things, you're like... No, this kind of explains some of it. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying now. But I'm not I'm not gonna judge because, you know, there's this is a lot of the people that go, they don't know they're not you know, the freaks that we are, so to speak. <laughs> right. They'll make so, fun of us know, for being part nerds. Of yes, exactly. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, someone talking about Star Wars and getting something wrong, you know, you're like, Oh that total geek. <laughs> but true. Anyway. This is someone who said they absolutely love Riverside, but won't be going back. It says, I love Port Orleans Riverside. It is a gorgeous resort. Yeah. Stayed there four times since 1997, but as lovely as it is, I doubt I will go back because each time I do, I'm very disappointed with the bus service to and from the Magic Kingdom. It's pretty bad. If you have people trying to make it to early dining reservations and leave and leaving early enough, but whoever schedules these buses doesn't seem to care. The bus service coming back from the Magic Kingdom is nothing short of abominable... The lines are incredibly long, and I waited 35-plus minutes in a large crowd only to have to stand on this bus every single night. It is for this reason that I will not go back to this beautiful resort. I do know one time at Riverside, I mean, when I stayed at Riverside, mm-hmm. that this past time, we went to Magic Kingdom and for the Christmas party. And when we came back going to Riverside... We actually got off at the wrong stop mm-hmm. and didn't realize it until. Oh, yeah. You know, we were I, I, did off. That. I did that where you got off at French Quarter. So, Well, I didn't get off at French Quarter, but I got off at the not the, the least convenient oh, for our room right, 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 at Riverside. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Or one of the least convenient. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't, you know, because it has several stops within the resort. Right, right. And, um, you know, if you're not paying attention, and believe me, you know, I, I probably would have paid more attention if I had not been there with mom, wife, and kid. It might would have been easier. We just started getting off thinking, you know, that was their next one. And I was like, oh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. We were meant to get off. So I think we ended up 
walking or either waiting yeah. for another one. I can't remember what it was well, at this point in time. Yeah. But I did something worse then because we, it was our first day staying at Riverside and we went to a park and came back and we got off at French Quarter and I'm like, this lobby looks different. Why does it look different? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're at French Quarter. So we ended up having, we just walked the rest of the way to back to Riverside. So that was a long walk. Yeah. Things you learn. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of interesting. Them talking about their five biggest complaints. One more quick thing about the buses that I'll throw in there that I've used. I used this last time because now they have the bus wait times on the uh, app. So it's only for your hotel, and you have to go into the app and click on, I think you have to click on your hotel, and then you can look at bus times, and it, uh, a lot of times, we I used it when we were waiting in line for the bus, just to see like when it said the next bus would arrive, or when we were leaving our hotel room, I would pull it out and say, oh, it says there's a Magic Kingdom bus in five minutes, we need to hurry up and try to get to the bus stop, or... It would say, you know, 15 minutes. And we'd be like, okay, we got time. We can take our time walking up to the bus stop. So that's a really helpful thing now that they do that. I wouldn't say they're 100% accurate on their times, but they're close enough. So use that as a tool now. Okay, so, you know, that took up a good chunk of our time, but I think we've got some time to cover a few more things. Yeah. So moving along. One of the things I think people would look at is like the climate in Walt Disney World because one of the things you'll find with touring plans is that they are statisticians, I guess would be the best way to say it. They crunch numbers on just about everything to give you the most accurate mathematical, we'll say, um, experience. I don't know right. if I say a mathematical experience, but you know, they, <laughs> they barely, me. <laughs> they gather it together yeah. so you don't have to. Yes. <laughs> Let's put it that way. They mine for data. Yeah. And if you, you know, it's useful information that they, you know, spent a good bit of time gathering and, and getting accurate. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, their wait times that they have in their app and everything tend to be the most accurate of even Disney's. <laughs> so. Just so you know, even though Disney's is good, don't get me wrong, but touring plans I've found to be even more accurate than Disney's time because it factors in the live data. Yeah. Is one thing. And what people are actually reporting they waited. Right. And I've done that a couple of times where I've gotten in the line and I'll pull out the touring plans app and set a timer essentially that says I'm in this line. I just got in line, and then you hit, you know, I'm on the ride, and uh, it'll update the wait time. So you can, it's kind of like ways for uh, wait times in a way you can contribute yourself to the wait times. Right. The next one I wanted to touch on, though, was the climate in okay. Walt Disney World. Climate. And they actually have things like the average daily high, and they got it broken down by month, average daily heat index, average daily mm-hmm. temperature, the average daily humidity. Wow. Average rainfall, number of days of rain per month. So it's like an almanac. Just, for <laughs> it pretty much is, yeah. The one that has the most days of rain, believe it or not, is in the summertime. Shocking. July and August uh, average 16 days of rain per month. Mm-hmm. Average rainfall, of course, is going to be the highest in those times. June apparently gets more rain in general. It has a number of days per month is 14, but the actual average rainfall is 8.3 inches. Mm. Average rainfall, so yeah. it's the most there. So the rainiest time is technically going to be June, July, August. Yeah. No real surprise, I imagine. Makes sense. The time of the year where it's most humid is going to be August, September, October. It doesn't really fall off a ton it's pretty consistent except for January. January is about 62%. The rest of the time it's in the 70s as mm. far as average daily humidity. Average daily temperature. Now, I does say average. You have to remind that, not the high. The worst it's going to be is 
August, which averages 83 degrees, and the least, or the least extreme, I guess, I don't say if it's the worst, I guess <laughs> worst would be yeah. pretty bad, but 60 degrees in January, average daily temperature. So okay. now you got to factor in this, this temperature plus humidity, so we have the average daily heat index. So this is really what it feels like, so this is the one you really want to pay attention to, okay? Of course, once again, August is the highest, but it's 117 degrees <laughs> is the average daily heat index Yikes. in August. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. surprise me. And believe it or not, when you factor in the humidity, the average daily heat index is the lowest, not in January, but in December, only by a couple of degrees, though. It's 74 degrees hmm. in, uh, is the average temperature plus humidity in December. Huh. Average daily high is the lowest is in January, 71 degrees. You know, December 72, so it's not too far a difference. Average daily high throughout the summer is really not as bad as some people think. I think it's because of the humidity, why it feels right. so much worse. It is, yeah. July, August, 92 degrees. I mean, you would think... That doesn't sound so bad, but when you factor in the humidity, like we just talked about, yeah. we're talking in the heat July and August is 116 and 117 degrees. Right. Um, yeah. Average daily heat index. So um, if you're wanting to factor in how, you know, the heat, then you definitely want to avoid July and August. <laughs> right. Because it is significantly, I mean, you got to think about it. There's a huge difference just between july and june because june's 109 so we're jumping seven degrees more in july and just the one degree to august we're in september it's does just the opposite it's dropped seven degrees Mm -hmm. so but still yeah what seven degrees when you're 100 plus so right yeah one of the best times i've found to go was april like late april I thought it was a really good time. Temperature-wise? Temperature-wise, not as much rain as you would get in June or May even. In my experiences going in April, I felt like the crowds were a little bit lower too because you've got, as long as Easter's not, Easter can get really busy. But if you're post-Easter, and you know, it's not going to be not, you know, the, the old saying about April showers, you're actually right. It's actually the second... Lowest average rainfall month hmm. is April for Walt Disney World. The lowest being November. Yeah. And so. your your brother went this past April and had a pretty low crowd time from what he yep. described. So, yeah, I, I think April is probably one of the better months to go. And the average heat index is 88, so that's not unbearable. I, I mean, I don't yeah. consider it unbearable yeah. by any means. Any, so. yeah, yeah, not bad. So there you go. Another good thing that you're going to get out of this is the typical extra magic hour schedule. Um, it does vary, though, but they do have certain days that certain parks are likely to to have, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, this the morning hours, whether it's morning hours in the or evening hours, I guess really kind of depends on the day. But anyway, the typical morning hours that you're going to to see are Animal Kingdom having Mondays and Saturdays. And like, like I said, it does vary, though. Right, right. You don't really see morning hours, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday, not typically. But Epcot Thursday, Friday Magic Kingdom, and um, Sunday is also Hollywood Studios. Epcot and Magic Kingdom would be on the Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Friday would also be the other Hollywood studios if they have them. So again, it mm-hmm. it kind of varies when it comes to that, if you're interested in that. Sometimes I see it worth it. Sometimes I actually see it worth it to go to the park that just had their hours, whether it be like maybe go early to the park that just had the late hours the night before. You might mm-hmm. if you if you're looking for lower crowds. That yeah. could be a good good tip there. You know? mm-hmm. Can help. That's my own personal observation. One thing I would say, by the way, 
the whole doing the park hopping, like if you go to Extra Magic Hours and you're like, oh, this place is crowded, let's try another one. Total waste of your time. You might guess right, but overall it's usually not worth it because even if it is less crowded in another park, it's usually, especially these days, not less crowded enough to actually yeah. be worth it. I put it that way. Right, if you went early and you felt, oh, it's too crowded, I'm going to go somewhere else. By the time you got to the other park, the crowds might be crowded. would be <laughs> building the whole time you're trying to yeah. get there, and by the time you get there, it's they're already way ahead of you. So, Yeah, because not only that, there's other people that probably thought the same thing, and they're going to be there about that same time. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yep. So, it's... Just, I mean, you're better off just, if you make a choice, just stick with it <laughs> most of the time. I'm not saying never park hop, obviously, because I do like to have the option of going where I want to go. Um, mm-hmm. But just doing it for that reason alone is not a good reason. All right, so, you know, they have a few days where they have special events and things like that. I don't know if there's uh, really a good one. I mean, there's plenty of things like marathons and stuff like that throughout the year. I did find it interesting that there were some people that made some comments on the food and wine event. I'll just read that right quick. World Showcase is one of our favorite parts of Disney World, but we will never go there during Food and Wine Festival again. Warnings would have been in order for families with children who were elbowed aside, bumped into pushed out of the way by guests in parentheses or in yeah. quotation marks as me I mean who had been sampling alcohol at every food and wine okay. location I get that people enjoy trying out new food and drink but after my teen granddaughters had unwelcome comments aimed their way by drunk people we decided to stay away from Epcot um okay I mm. It doesn't surprise me that this has happened, obviously, but I don't think it's like an everyday occurrence. <laughs> but yeah, I would—I've never experienced that, and I have two kids, very small kids, and we're usually the ones drinking. Um, but <laughs> are you no. the one making the comments? <laughs> uh, no, no, not like that, especially. But I mean, no, it's—I've uh, never seen anything like that. I've seen some young people uh, acting a fool, you know, running around or being loud i've seen some couples arguing (laughs) but other than that i've not really nothing major i don't i don't know being pushed out of the way and stuff it's not commonplace right and i could say the same thing with say the mickey's not so scary halloween party it really depends on what night you go as to whether or not it's going to be super crowded sometimes Yeah. yeah um that you pick true I find that most of the Halloween parties, I could be wrong, but I feel like they allow or sell more tickets per event than they used to, so it actually doesn't oh, feel do. much different than a regular day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, the only difference is there's you know, other uh, things that you can't get yeah. throughout the day, a regular day, that's going to be going on. Yep. So, yeah, they've definitely if your reason for going is because you think it's going to be less crowded, you're not necess- you're going to be surprised, let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. Christmas time is obviously going to attract a good bit of people. Uh just because you go in early December do not mean that that means you're going to absolutely going to avoid crowds because um you know they discount it not just because it's low crowds, but they discount it in order to increase what would normally be low crowds. Right. They discount it because they want it to be busier. Therefore, that's what they get with the mm-hmm. discount. Just because you're getting a discount for the time of, of that time of year doesn't mean that it's going to be dead. Because, I mean, there's a possibility it's going to be less crowded. But again, they're discounting them with the hopes of making it more crowded <laughs> right? than it would be if they had left it alone. You know, yeah. they're, they're not stupid about this stuff. So, Yeah, and even if it is less crowded, you'd think, oh, I'll be able to go on Flight of Passage and walk right on or have a short wait. 
people know that it's less crowded and therefore they're more likely to get in line for something like Flight of Passage or Seven Dwarfs Mine Train because, oh, it's not as crowded, let me get in line. And it builds the line up to about what it would be on a regular day anyway. And, you know, we've already talked about Disney cutting their ride capacity when it's not as busy, so don't expect to get a lot of short waits all the time either. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like this has got enough good stuff in it that we might do a part two mm-hmm. and three if necessary. Yeah, I like it. The last one I want to hit on was something we were talking about before we got into this, and mm-hmm. hopefully this doesn't take too long because we've kind of gone on a little long as it is, but maybe maybe not too bad. Yeah. Attractions that frequently experience outages. Right. They've actually done the math. They have a list here. Hmm. They have six attractions that's listed that they have a percentage beside that the likelihood is going to be down at some point in the first hour that the park is open. Then they also have one that the likelihood that it's going to be down at some time during the day. And then, of course, they give the median outage duration in minutes. Okay. So on the list, the one that's least likely to be down in the first hour is Frozen Ever After at 11% out of okay. these out of these that are... I mean, these are ones that experience outages, so the least likely of the ones that experience outages. Right, that frequently experience outages. Right, mm. right, exactly. Because Frozen Ever After does frequently experience outages. It's just less frequently than some of these other ones. <laughs> right. I mean, because um, it is like a 30-year-old ride. Mm, people don't realize that, but... It's basically a thirty-year-old ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. The 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 basic ride mechanics of it yeah. are. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. The boats are. Eleven percent. Uh, the one with the highest likelihood of being down in the first hour is actually Splash Mountain, at Magic Kingdom. Believe it or not, at twenty-eight percent. Now I know we talked about this. Some of you may be shocked to find out that the one with the highest percentage of going down at some time during the day, because we've mentioned it before. Yeah is test track at 80% likelihood yep. <laughs> it's going to go down at some point during the day. I'm surprised and, it's not um, 99.9% likely. <laughs> oh, I think back when it first opened, it probably was. Yeah. I mean, that thing was down all the time back then. I think it's slightly improved. Mm, um, only slightly. To get to 80%. <laughs> yeah, it's the, down um, a lot. Right. The biggest difference between these two, the Frozen Ever, I mean, these are both at Epcot, the Frozen Ever After and the Test Track, here's the, the interesting thing. The median outage, right, for Frozen is 45 minutes compared to the 21 minutes for Test Track. Hmm. So. Maybe it's, it's because I don't know of what the water. It is. Maybe do I don't they have know. to drain the water or have to repump the water uh, for the, yeah. maybe something to do with the water, I'm sure. But every one of these attractions, by the way, is over 50%. So mm. it's over 50% chance that um, During the day. it's going to go down at wow. some point in the day on yeah. each of these that I'm mentioning. Doesn't surprise me. Um, so of those, like I said, we've already talked about Frozen Ever After and Test Track, but the other ones, Pirates of the Caribbean, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, all of these have a likelihood of 56% or greater that it's going to be down at some point during the day. Wow. Yeah. Surprisingly, the one with the longest outage time as well is Splash Mountain at 53 minutes um, median outage duration. There must be something with the water rides that they, if they have to shut the water off for the you know, lift hills or the, the drops or whatever, it must be some kind of issue there. Well, I mean, these these don't have like all of these don't have the same thing in common. There are three water rides on here and the other three are not though. Yeah. Interesting. um, Well, with test track, we know it's just, it never really worked right to begin with. From the (laughs) beginning, it had a complicated system, very complicated system. And, um, things have not improved 20 years later. Yeah. Um, very much, uh, as far as the ride system itself goes. Um, the one of these of these that we just mentioned, the one that had the shortest median outage time was Pirates of the Caribbean at 16 minutes. Hmm. Usually when Pirates has a 62% likelihood of being down at some point during the day, usually it's not for very long. 
before yeah. it's up again, before it seems. Back up, so. yeah. Yeah, there was one time we were just, we had just loaded on the boats at Pirates, and they they made everybody get out of the line, and we were still sitting in the boat at the dock, and then they were like, I, I remember two cast members talking, they were just like, all right, just send them out, and, you know, they just, they just let the boat go, and we were like, the only ones on the right, it felt like, because it was <laughs> five minutes no no boats in front of us or behind us and uh we were kind of wondering like well what happened to the ride they still sent us out in it in it so we were looking around i didn't notice anything that was out of the ordinary but something happened in the ride that made them shut it down and then after we got off of it they gave us fast passes yeah it's interesting that they didn't put any attractions from animal kingdom on this list but i will say in the uh yeah. In the paragraph just before where I was mm-hmm. reading, it says, um, the odds are better than even this happens on any day. It says, in fact, the odds are better than 90% that at least one major ride in the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and Animal Kingdom will stop unexpectedly at some point during the day. Yeah. And they put in parentheses, there aren't yet enough rides in the studios for reliability to be that park's biggest problem. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah. At, this, at that point, so... Can you imagine if Millennium Falcon or Rise of the Resistance, whatever, at Galaxy's Edge? Or both. Yeah, or both. Have similar issues to, say, Test Track, and it goes down all the time. That would be horrible. Like the worst thing. Yeah, that would be really bad. They'd be handing out a lot of free fast passes for Slinky Dog. So I'm trying to figure out the common denominator between these other ones. Other than a couple of them are relatively new, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and Frozen Ever After. Like you mentioned, though, the ride system on Frozen Ever After is pretty much the same as it was when it was Maelstrom, mm-hmm. with a little slight modification. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the actual ride system, though, or if maybe it is some of the new effects. You have to take that into account. Because yeah. the effects of the ride itself are definitely way different than the, <laughs> the old ride. I've been on mm-hmm. Frozen Ever After, and the first Olaf isn't working quite right. So they definitely oh, have really? some issues where, yeah, where he's not following you like he's supposed to be looking at each uh, boat as it goes by and sort of following you. And there's some times where he just was standing still; <laughs> he didn't move, but he still did his yeah, lines I, and everything. But yeah, I don't recall ever going through there and having something not work that I, that I, you know, mm-hmm. as it was supposed to thus far when I've gone through yeah. that. I, the very last time I rode Pirates, though, the water effect was not working properly. You know, as you first come up to when it has Davy Jones and um, Blackbeard's image in it. Oh, the little that mist thing or the fog thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one did not work. Interesting. So, yeah, at that point in time. Uh, I don't know what it would be with Seven Doors Mine Train. I mean, that puts it down because I haven't seen it down. But again, I've only been on it the one time thus far. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Why, like maybe the animatronics in the mine aren't working properly, so they you have to restart them, and maybe they just shut the ride down for a short time to get them back working again. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, or the timing gets off because of that part. Yeah, I mean, I don't, could. I don't know. But I mean, I think for the most part, it pretty much you just let it go and it goes. You know what I mean? So you would think it's just the roller coaster part shouldn't be too complicated. Yeah. But. If you notice, most roller coaster based attractions do not have yeah. too much downtime. Space Mountain, though, apparently is an exception to that. Could be with it because of age, or could be because in the dark, could be because of the other effects. I, I think it's because of age. I think they really. I think so. I hope when Tron opens that they redo the whole track for Space Mountain. Now, I have been on Splash Mountain when it's gone down before, and I know they have had... I've been through it several times with not all the animatronics working. In fact, with the exception of the first few years, I think um, I had more times often than not that I would go through and the hopping yeah. uh, <laughs> rare rabbit not yeah. be working. Yeah, I've seen that not working, too. All right, so... I think that's going to wrap this one up. We are, we will do a part two of, of going through this at some point, yeah. hopefully very soon. Because I feel like it's a good thing we can get discussions about. I like that. It sparks 
spark some memory sometimes, spark some debate mm-hmm. in some some of these cases. So um, we'll we'll kind of refer to this for a few more times uh, before we're done with it. So um, if you have your thoughts and comments that you would like to make regarding this, you can make them on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at TWTM Podcast. Uh, we also have a Spreadshirt store if you would like to contribute to that. It is shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM Podcast. And we have a website, which is travelingwiththemouse.com. You can get links and everything there for all of our different outlets you can email us podcast at travelingwiththemouse.com and we also have a patreon page if you want to help support the show that way you can get exclusive content bonus materials patreon.com slash twtm podcast so for adam brown i am john martin this has been traveling with the mouse and we hope you will join us on our next trip